Garage Guys NASCAR podcast is brought to you by Hooters. That's right. Hooters is for race day. Hooters is for garage guys. We all know this. And right now, if you download the Hooters app or go to order.hooters.com and use promo code garage guys, you're going to save $10 on any $30 or more to go order. That offer is valid at participating locations for delivery and carry out orders $30 or more. And use promo code garage guys while dining in just by telling your Hooters waitress about promo code garage guys to save you $10 on any $40 plus dine in order valid at HOA locations for food, non-alcoholic beverages and merchandise. Enjoy your Hooters and enjoy the garage guys NASCAR podcast. It's the garage guys NASCAR podcast uh, post Talladega pre Roval. We're going to be unpacking everything that went down at Talladega, talking a little bit about the news cycle that's happening uh, this week in NASCAR, uh, and dig into some of the events that went down in Talladega, Alabama this past weekend. Also, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Dale and I and our weekend in St. Louis for the Midwest Nationals with NHRA, and ultimately getting to probably what you're here for, the odds for the Bank of America Roval at Charlotte Motor Speedway, which may uh, possibly be dead next year. Could be the last Roval we ever see, but we got all this and more on this episode of the Garage Guys NASCAR podcast. Uh, Joined with Dale Tanhart, and uh, it's been about uh, a good 48 hours since we've last spoke or seen each other. Um, How's the week treating you so far, Dale? Yeah, good. It's um, to always kind of tiring when you go on these trips and it feels like you're like a day behind on the week. But uh, we had a good time in St. Louis for the Midwest Nationals. Our first NHRA event was enjoyable, new experience, got to learn a lot and really appreciate NHRA for having us out there and showing us around as well as Worldwide Technology Raceway. And, and obviously, We've done a lot of work with them throughout all their motorsports events this year, so really appreciate them as well. Love those guys and girls. And, um, yeah, Talladega was good. I thought both the truck and the cup races were very, very entertaining, very compelling, and both had strong finishes. Of course, trucks is, you know, trucks is trucks. You kind of had a wreck fest developed there. You had a fight that we'll talk about and then uh the cup race was a very good super speedway race where you didn't have a lot of wrecks it was just a very a very well run race overall and refreshing in this world of nascar that's all about chaos so um shout out to ryan blaney for getting it done heartbroken for kevin harvick and yeah uh let's dig right into it i guess yeah, I think a good place to start, obviously, is uh, just briefly touch on NHRA. We were out there for the Midwest Nationals, have been in talks for about a month uh, with some of the uh, the great folks uh, out there that, that are putting together some of the most hard-hitting, I would say, hard-hitting events as far as physical form goes. It's definitely an event. I would recommend everyone go to at least once in their life. If you have the ability to go down by the start line 
I would do that because that's really where the ultimate thrill lies with NHRA, at least for me, the one thing that stood out amongst all of it, uh, you know, being used to the typical racing that we have road courses, ovals, it's nothing like that. I mean, it's just taking a straight. And so I did in the beginning, like want to know, like, what is, what is everybody talking about, about this, this, feeling that you get like you just have to experience it they keep saying that and people say that for a lot of things this is definitely one of those situations it's kind of like the only way i think i can describe it and i've never stood next to a rocket but it would probably be like going out to nasa when uh, a, a rocket is about to launch into space and you're standing and maybe about a thousand feet away from it that'd probably be way more powerful but it's just a powerful physical experience. Uh, some really great people out there. We've got some interviews uh, that we did with some of the drivers. Uh, Antron Brown, uh, the, the legend Ron Caps. Uh, you know, just, just two of those to, to, to jump out. Tony Schumacher, another one, a really great guy. Call, I'm going to call him Uncle Tony from now on. They got Tony Stewart. They got Tony Schumacher. Um, and then Alexis DeJoria, uh, so some funny car drivers and uh, some top fuel drivers is what they're called. So just a uh, just a, a really cool thing. Just wanted to to kind of say my piece on that before we dive into NASCAR. Um, and and yeah, it was a uh, it was an enjoyable experience. A lot of content was out on social media, so um, you you definitely need to check it out at least once. I yeah, I agree. It was he definitely. Unlike NASCAR, like the only thing that could even compare in the NASCAR world is you stand by the fence at Talladega or Daytona, you kind of feel it, right? Uh, Bristol, if you're down by the fence, it's it's a rumble. It's a rumble. It's a feel more, more so than just hearing it being loud as shit. And those still don't compare to being next to an NHRA car when they light up or even if you're sitting in the stands, you know, a couple hundred yards down and they fly past at full speed. It is the most feel you'll get probably in any, not just motorsports event, but any sporting event you'll, you could ever go to. Uh, like it literally, like Chase was saying, when, if you're sitting at the starting line, like it, it actually physically pounds your chest. And that's not an exaggeration. That, that is literally what it does when it takes off. This is 12,000 horsepower. Like, that's almost, it's very difficult to comprehend that kind of speed in an engine. And that that's what NHRA is, particularly in the top fuels and the funny cars. And yeah, great people. Um, Alexis, Antron, Ron Caps, and Tony Schumacher, all big names in the sport of drag racing and were really, really gracious enough to talk to us. And we had a really good time. We had a really good time hanging out with all of them throughout the weekend, along with enjoying the events themselves. So once again, thank you to NHRA for, for wanting us to come out and, and showing us a good time as well as worldwide technology raceway. So I agree. Everybody needs to experience that at least once. Um, but Talladega. Talladega is a storyline, right? A lot of, a lot of interesting things happening over on the Boulevard area, and now Ryan Blaney has punched his ticket into the next round. Big shout out to to Yerb 
<clears throat> By the way, uh, a lot of people may have forgotten that we have nicknamed Ryan Blaney Yerb uh, long ago on Garage Talk uh, coming into this season. Yet he, it, it's been a minute. It's been a minute since we've seen a Ryan Blaney win. Um, you know, he was doing really well at the super speedways. Uh, the next gen era comes around and things kind of slow down a little bit. Uh, so he was able to get that done, push through it. There was some Harv break, you know, it was kind of a Harv break part two. Kevin Harvick was right up there in the front, but, uh, you know, and, and we'll get into this. It really wouldn't have even mattered because apparently, uh, you know, he, he broke some rules and for that he finished dead last and it's just been a brutal retirement year for Kevin Harvick. It seems like he can't catch a break any way he tries. But uh, Ryan Blaney deserves this. He, uh, he, he's been one of those guys that has shown that he knows how to roll around in the air at Talladega, especially Dega. He's done it at Daytona. Uh, so it, it's going to be interesting now going into the round of eight. We know that he's got him a, a nice safe spot. And uh, I, I'm just trying to, to, to think what race we could see him get another win at Phoenix. He is shown where you know he's been able to excel there with the next gen car he's had some uh some runs where he's been up towards the front uh, so it's really just going to be uh you know a, a wait and see kind of moment now but it, it is good to know that he has been able to lock in with the luck that he has had uh starting with uh i guess saturday would be a good place to start on this the uh the nick sanchez matt crafton fight uh, we were in the uh, we were in our, our holding room that that they had us in kind of posted up. And I remember going on Twitter, <clears throat> seeing this video of this small child boy uh, who is Nick Sanchez. I never really looked at him. I've only seen his name printed on the NASCAR app or, um, you know, just uh, DraftKings, whatever. And uh, so to see him. And the fact that, that he was in a fight, his face was bloody as shit. I mean, it was, he got rocked. But then finding out it was Matt Crafton, who was the one that was in this fight with him, was probably the most mind-blowing thing about it. But in the video, you hear Nick uh, saying, I I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Like, and, and the internet exploded over that right like there was a lot of people that were just like wow you know like bad look tough look and and i want to just come right out the gate swinging if you've ever been in a fight in your entire life your adrenaline is so on edge you are so just pumped up you, like your face is probably numb. his face was definitely numb at that point you the way you're experiencing things in real time is definitely distorted. Um, and, and you say shit. You will say shit like that. I mean, you have to understand the rage and the anger that is in somebody. You don't necessarily always maybe mean it. There's no way I think Nick Sanchez wants to physically murder Matt Crafton. You're pissed the fuck off and you're just saying stuff and you're trying to invoke fear in somebody. And... I think that he kind of got a bad rap for that because the majority of people that were probably commenting on it have probably never been in a fist fight a day in their life. And, and if you have been, you understand the heightened level of emotion. You're not really worried about controlling what's coming out of your mouth at that point. Even but if you haven't, 
even if you haven't been in a fight, you should still understand. The guy's been hit. He's got blood running down his face. I mean, what? imagine if that happened to you. If, like, you think you would just be sitting there doing nothing? Like, probably not, for all the yeah. reasons you just stated. I think people who hate or, or hate took any time to hate on Nick Sanchez over that and say it's, like, damning or – I think you're just kind of a pussy. I'll just be straight cut with it. Like it's not that it's not that serious. Like getting in a fight is serious, but that's heat of the moment. That's heat of the moment. Blood running down your face. Like if I had gotten hit and punched like that, I'd probably be saying the same shit with somebody holding me back. There's nothing I can do. Like that's literally just heat of the moment. As you said, adrenaline taking over. In, in that exact in those exact seconds so i think um some people were frowning upon matt crafton because apparently it was a sucker punch uh matt crafton's fine is more representative of it being of him being the aggressor because he was fined 20 grand i think nick sanchez was fined five grand very very small penalties honestly if this happened like seven to ten years ago Matt Crafton probably gets suspended for a race, right? If it happens 20 years ago, Matt Crafton probably gets suspended for a couple races. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I thought the penalties would actually be harder because of the the potential that it was like a sucker punch type of deal. But I guess it it really wasn't proven, right? Like you have you had great footage via front stretch. They were right there. And got some, they captured most of it, most of when the fight started, but didn't capture like what happened at the very beginning. So nobody truly knows. Matt Crafton came out on Twitter and said a bunch of stuff. Nick yeah, Sanchez had his own to, statement. I, was I don't know. actually read into that. Um, I wanted to pull that up because we, we did hear what Sanchez said via the video, right? The, he, he was the one that threw out the terminology sucker punch, um, basically saying, you know, he, he's not at fault here. Matt came out on Twitter because we don't have anything of the forward. Um, so he said there were just people that were standing by and they were witnessing. I, I want to believe that there are video cameras installed in the infield at Talladega. I really do, but maybe there's not. I want to believe that the infrastructure would at least have some video cameras on the garages. And if they don't, what a better way to have that content on lock from the track itself. I mean, that if you're trying to get some clicks, man, and, and you're trying to get that extra social media money, the tracks could have it all. I don't understand why we don't have more video footage. There should be video cameras. What if someone breaks into a track? You know, you want to know who was there. This, this could have solved a lot. Look back in 2020 with Bubba. It could have solved a ton. Maybe it's time to invest in some video cameras. That's all I'm saying. But with Matt Crafton, here is what he said. I'm going to kind of go through this as quickly as possible. First, let's address the sucker punch before the camera started rolling. I approached Nick and said, hey, when he turned around, I said, what the fuck? To which he looked right at me and threatened me. That is when it all went to hell. I had his attention. Words were exchanged all before anything physical took place. So I did not sucker punch the guy. There may be there may not be video, but there were plenty of eyewitnesses. What people don't take into account is that is that he all but sucker punched me at 200 miles per hour. 
the way he pushed my truck gave me no ability to get out of the situation. And he was told uh, multiple times during that race, the way he was pushing people was going to cause a wreck and going to get people hurt. This There is a consistent pattern of certain drivers having a lack of respect on the track, and it was time for someone to say something. Am I proud that I got physical? No. But last time I checked, everyone on that track is a grown adult. If a man looks at me and threatens me, I am going to react, especially when tempers are already flared from being wrecked on the track. I apologize to my team, my sponsors and partners, my family and the NASCAR community for the negativity and for taking attention away from a good day of racing at Talladega. So that is Matt Crafton verbatim via Twitter. Yeah, I think if you bring up the tr- on track stuff, I think you it you kind of discredit yourself a little bit because wrecks happen. People it happened in the cup race. Corey LaJoy wrecked Riley Herbs, right? Like uh, coming to the line on Sunday. Wrecks happen all the time. People mess up in the draft, and that's what Nick Sanchez did. I think they've had a few clashes earlier this year, too. I feel like in that statement, like, you're kind of justifying starting the fight is is, the, is what I got out of that when I read that. Like, when you bring yeah. up what's happening on the track, you're kind of just – you're kind of just – stacking on this is why i punched him in the face and then yeah. you apologize you know what i mean wrecked like, my, so, he wrecked my truck so i wrecked his face because i didn't yeah truck the sucker wreck. punch coming at 200 miles per hour is corny dude yeah it's corny. It, he reminds me of like the old guy that's really mad that sits at the bar and gets drunk all the time and when you go in he's always trying to start shit because he knows that he is falling away from life that's what this reminds me of. This reminds me, and if anybody out there listening to this knows that old man that's just constantly trying to start shit knowing that he has no business to, like, that's that's kind of where this is. I just feel like, you know, as a veteran truck driver, and when I say veteran, I mean, dog, you like 20 years older than this boy. And I just feel like it's just really, it's kind of weird. It's just weird to me. I don't but like know. if. He is right, though, in the sense of, you know, Nick is not just he's not like an underage kid. He is no, legally not at all. But I'm just saying when you look at Nick Sanchez and then you look at Matt Crafton, it looks like it could be his dad, dude. It's just like, look, I don't. That's the thing. I, I don't mind. I don't mind a fight. I mean, how old were I mean, I don't mind. I love fights. Ricky I'm just saying that it's just strange. It's just a weird thing. Like you would expect like two younger guys like like if i saw like Corey lajoy and riley herbs fighting that's kind of normal but it's just like because of like how young nick sanchez looks and how old matt crafton looks it's just it's kind of hilarious yeah no i agree with that i yeah. think um i do ultimately it's a it's a great storyline um it, it's I, the video makes it more disturbing right but like if as you, we kind of said if you if you've been in a fight or if you've seen people get in fights, like, dude, I mean, like, I, I, I went, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I went to an SEC school, like, yeah. shit like that is normal where people say shit like that after they get rocked. Blood is running rock all over people's faces, dude. Yeah, like, I, I've seen a guy's fucking, like, ear half off of his head before, man. That I, is very desynthesized to shit like that. Right, right. That is honestly, like, just people freaking out about the the words post fight like that's not unnormal it's not 
that's that's real life shit that happened but that's kind of what's elevated people's concerns on on how to view this whole deal and then matt crafton the sucker punch it look shit happens shit happens and it's a nascar fight that's the way i see it and funnier someone dug up a, a tweet for like i saw this screenshot just a bit ago where like someone had a screenshot of matt crafton talking about uh like like this is this has gone too far and they were framing it up like he was pissed off that taylor swift was at football games so they were using that as uh as just extra shit to throw on to old matt what? it's pretty funny yeah i i just <laughs> he's one of them <laughs> like ultimately the biggest thing here i think that set the tone this is a a big credit to nascar i think the penalties really set the tone on how big of a deal this was a twenty thousand dollar fine and a five thousand dollar fine that is very little right to me that sets the tone that nascar did not think this was that big of a deal because of what fines what penalties they gave out i mean that's nothing dude this is a big nothing. Now, they might wreck each other on the track again. Now, they could have another physical altercation, and people will be watching. Next time, it's not going to happen, and and you're, you you should be able to see the whole thing is what I'm saying. Like, you're, you're talking about the cameras or lack thereof. whole thing's going to be documented start to finish if they get another scuffle on the track yeah. and then thereafter. So I think NASCAR ultimately set the tone that this is just a typical NASCAR fight. And that's it with with what they gave out on penalties. But I do think it is a great idea. And and look, you, you can talk about it. I want you to debate about it. Get on get on social media and, and, and tag them and just be like, it's time to get cameras installed at the tracks in the infield. We need to see what's going on. We need to monitor shit. I mean, you want to know how all these things go down? There's your ticket. They're sitting on it. I think that extra security is never a bad thing in those situations. So why not go for it, dude? I mean, people got doorbell cameras now. Why ain't you got a camera at the garage? That's all I'm saying. Oh, I did the one part though. Nick Sanchez's dad got suspended the the rest of the year for, for apparently what? being involved in it. He, I guess he he probably was one of the people that pushed Crafton or punched him after Crafton punched Nick. I probably would too if that was my kid. Right, right. <laughs> because you're like but a I grown do. ass man. You're like a grown ass man. I like, do. <laughs> yes. And I think that is more so like NASCAR saying, okay, these guys are competitors. If a pit crew member gets involved, that's a competitor. But this is just a to them, even though it's family of Sanchez. It's not a competitor. It's a random motherfucker coming in and punching a driver in the face. You know what I mean? So yeah. I get that. And it's the rest of the season. We're talking, what, three races left in the truck series. So I don't know. I think it's all in all kind of fun. It really is kind of fun. It's an aspect yeah. fight. Let's have fun. It's, it's great stuff to talk about. I also just want to quickly apologize for any additional coughing throughout this pod. Uh, my child has the flu, so I know that the inevitable is upon me. Um, so just, just throwing that out there, but moving on though, from, it was a great way to set the tone for Talladega on Saturday, Sunday gets there. Now the majority of Sunday, um, you know, I I was covering a lot of stuff. Dale and I were both doing some, uh, some stuff with the NHRA event. So we were kind of back and forth, uh, trying to keep up with the race, you know, via Twitter, uh, on the phone and, uh, 
and so I, I got to catch some highlights of everything that happened just to kind of, uh, I guess, brush through it all. One, I know one crazy thing that happened was like a, a gas can caught on fire on pit road. Uh, Ty Gibbs decided to drag that fire with him. Uh, I thought that was pretty, pretty funny. Uh, so there was just a massive fucking fire with a gas can on pit road, uh, somewhere around the middle of the race. Uh, they definitely had the Brad K heartache uh with the wreck that happened with him and ad ad getting taken out which was so fucking ironic when you think about it dale because the two picks that we both gave out that monday were fucking austin dillon and brad keselowski and they both were the the two drivers involved really heavily in that wreck isn't that some shit yeah i guess i mean think about that i had i mean i i knew i was betting on brad k from the day after the Coke Zero 400. Well, like I it, knew I was, you know, like there was I, the two guys that we talked about specifically, kind of like the two main. But there were more, things. right? Like, I, every well, we super had speedway more week. Sure. <clears throat> well, even on Monday, like every super speedway week, I, I take Blaney, Brad, and Bubba every single time. And I will continue to do that at every single super speedway we go to. And honestly, William Byron's probably going to be more involved in, in, in that B, you know, my killer B crowd. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really the one big. That was the big wreck, and Brad K. You know, there there were a few kind of scary moments this week, like that fire. Zane Smith ran over that pit crew member, which that guy is a fucking badass for what he was able to do. I saw the memes about that. Actually. He got smoked and then just like walked it off, continued the pit stop. Like that was crazy. That was. Cool. Did he but, say it was like like something about like you know I I don't worry about trucks like trucks can't stop me I stop trucks. Yeah, I guess I, I don't know. Maybe he did. I, I, that'd be cool if he did. But um, okay. anyway, that uh, the the Ty Gibbs fire, and then Brad K almost got airborne there when he wrecked. And these cars are after the Ryan Freeze wreck. Like I said this a while back, but I think we got to think about building taller walls on the infields of these racetracks because. The way these cars are built, if they flip and you have a Ryan Priest type accident, the amount of air that these things are capable of getting is more air than we'll see in the history of NASCAR because the bodies are so tough. The bodies are so rigid. It's like a fucking bouncy ball. So that scares me, right? That does scare me with you have a wreck, like whether it's Daytona or Talladega, you have a wreck and somebody flips like, coming to the finish line, out of the tri-oval, and that's where Brad K was, where he got clipped. He got a little bit of air, and luckily the roof laps, I think, is what stopped it from flipping. But um, that's a, another topic for, you know, another time, I guess. But Until um, it happens, they're not going to do it. Let's be real. Probably not. I mean, that's – you dig deeper into all this, like NASCAR safety, it's not – I think that's the best at being proactive, right? So rules are made because things, things go wrong and then they make rules. I mean, all you need is to see the picture. Like some, you, you could have been sitting, you like a Daytona, you could have, if there was nothing in the infield, right? If there was nothing, it was all just grass in the infield. You could probably be standing uh, on the front stretch of Daytona, like in between turn one and the start finish line. And if the Ryan Priest wreck had happened, you probably would have been able to see his car. Just you standing on the track. You probably would have been able to look straight 
and see it that high in the air. Like that's how high his car got. Um, and you can just see that through some photographers took some amazing pictures of that wreck from the other side of the racetrack. And you can really see how high that motherfucker got. I think with these cars, they they're safe as we saw with the Ryan priest wreck, like he was fine, but um, the amount of air that they're getting when they do flip because of how bouncy the, the material of the chassis is like, that could be scary. That could be scary. So maybe we should think about that when we, when we think about the walls and the infields, but the whole point of what you bringing this up was talking about the betting heartbreak. So that's where we should go back to with Brad K. I, I really believed it was his time. He was up front a lot of the race. He did come through, though. He won me some money in stage two. And whoever tailed that, congratulations. You got something out of your Brad K payday, technically. So um, that was tough. I don't know who else you would bet on besides Brad and Austin Dillon, but no I had a lot of I had a lot of options there at the end. I, I felt good and I was watching because the way NHRA works, it's it's a lot of starting and stopping, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of start stop, and then you had a big cleanup when somebody crashed in the NHRA thing. It was like a really weird crash. That doesn't typically happen. Somebody wrecked during a burnout, like a warm-up, crashed it. Um, so I got to watch a lot of the race, and it was very exciting, I think. But I had a lot of betting options there at the end because I had Elliot, I had Byron, I had uh, Blaney, who all were up in the front swapping for the lead in the past 20 laps. And luckily it worked out, had a big day in the betting world. But 10 years from now, if Kevin Harvick doesn't win another race, I'm going to look back and be like, damn, I wish Harvick would have won that, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. That I think that's where we should go into next. So um, Kevin Harvick put up one hell of a run. I, I feel like he's been inching closer and closer to, to finding a way to get a win at a super speedway. And this was definitely the closest he's come in a while um, for him to have it be so close. Like, I feel like, Okay, second place, yeah, like that. that's, you know, you're not in it for points by any means, but it, it probably stings. You know, it definitely stings because you were right there. But Jamie McMurray had a really good breakdown of how that finish went down, like just that the last two laps, you know, coming around. I mean, going into where the wreck really started and how the separation of the field happened. Um, and, and it was mainly just because, you know, Harvick was stranded and uh, Blaney had Byron behind him. So it was just having that little bit of extra help really goes a long way with the arrow and the way that's set up. And just two is better than one, you know. So when you're looking at that, like it, it's tough. But then whenever you get completely just stripped of your finish, you have to go all the way to the rear because of a penalty that gets slapped on you uh so basically something about the windshield Stuart haas racing dropped a statement saying at the completion of the race not all of our windshield fasteners were secure as we had bolts that hold the windshield in place back out over the course of the 500 miles we are in the process of diagnosing why this happened and how to prevent it moving forward 
We are disappointed in NASCAR's decision to disqualify our race car and the hard-earned finish by our driver and team, but we will not appeal. Our complete focus is on the remaining races on this year's schedule. That came from Greg Zipidelli. Uh, that also means this is bullshit. What the fuck? So I, I need somebody asked me about it on Twitter when I was on my way home on Monday and was like, you know, what's your thoughts on it? So I, I, you know, had to do a little bit of digging. I just basically had the tweets and the news um, at the time. And it's just it's one of those rules or rules things. Right. Like there's there's this stuff in the rule book. And if you break these rules, tough shit. That's how it goes. Doesn't matter if you're God or if you're Dale Earnhardt. Or if you're fucking, uh, I don't know, uh, Mike, Mike Harmon. Doesn't matter. Um, it, it's just how it goes. It just really sucks because it's, it's just been pain for Kevin Harvick fans, right? And, and pain for Kevin Harvick. Uh, just so many things have stacked up just in terrible ways this season. And you want to believe that when somebody like, you know, a Kevin Harvick gets into a retirement year, there can be, you know, some really good things on the exit story. You know, Jimmy Johnson was another one of those drivers. You wanted to believe that. He kind of had a shitty year uh, in in his retirement year. And now Harvick is is having I, what I feel is worse than Jimmy Johnson's retirement year. It's no. almost like when you leave NASCAR, you know, it's like it's like this is your exit. This, Jimmy this wasn't, how you go away. Jimmy wasn't close to winning, though, in his retirement year. And he, he no, that's what I said. Harvick is worse, definitely worse than Jimmy's uh, season, is what I said. No, Jimmy's that's what I'm saying. I disagree. Jimmy's was definitely worse than Harvick's because Jimmy wasn't, Jimmy didn't, Jimmy, I can't think of one race that Jimmy could have won. Harvick's had three or four this year that he could have won and he made the playoffs. Jimmy didn't make the playoffs in his retirement year. That was my point. You actually look at the last five, last five races five races of the playoffs Harvick could have won two of them with Darlington and Dega. Right. So, I mean, if he had a little bit of luck go his way, he could have won three or four races this year. You know, because it's of, worse though, for somebody to be that close. And, and, and well, then I just think of shit. When you say worse, I think of like performance. That's the first thing I was thinking when you said gotcha. that now, like bad beat. Yeah, sure. Because Phoenix, he should have won Phoenix in spring. Um and Harrison Burton spun by himself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. really, really bad luck there. And this one, it, thank God he didn't win because he would have been disqualified and it just would have made everybody even more sad. So, yeah, that's a tough that's deal. Silver lining. That's the silver lining in this one. Yeah, if you could find anything, that's it. Even though it, they don't get the finish and they lose a lot of points in the grand scheme of uh, where they'll stack up in the driver's championship and the owner's championship. So that blows. And Rodney Childers had actually tweeted out like his own little thing. Like, I don't know what we could have done. Basically is what he was saying. Like, and then he deleted the tweet. So he was clearly asked by somebody to delete that. Yeah. And then they came out with that statement from SHR entirely. So um, yeah, that sucks. I, it was a great finish though, but it's it's a little bit tainted knowing that if, even if Harvick had won, he I guess would have been disqualified. It's just such a weird thing, man. Window fat the the windshield 
fasteners? Like you had to dig. What the fuck? You had to dig for that shit. I don't under right. Like I don't get penalties like that because, and and maybe there's somebody smarter than me who's mechanically savvy that uh, has or can describe why that would give you an advantage at a track like Talladega. I doubt it, but like, why would Rodney Childers and whoever built that race car make something like that happen to try to give an advantage or mess up and it becoming a safety hazard? That's just, it's just not realistic. Like, I have a theory. I have a theory about weird, this. Man. The theory that I have on, on it, you know, this is a complete just me just fucking shit dumping thoughts out of my brain. But, you know, if you want to go Naspiracy with it, what if, you know, they did find that the car was severely illegal and like it was just like just so blatantly illegal, like this car was just a rocket ship, you know, and they did a, they did some really hardcore illegal shit and they were like, look, we're going to help you out here by saying that this was your problem instead of this being your problem. Maybe maybe a crazy Naspiracy theory could be, could not be, probably not, but food for thought. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that one. I I just, it's just tough. Just a weird fucking thing. I also think it's kind of weird for NASCAR to DQ them over that. Like, if it's a safety issue, maybe that's not like a human error as much as it is. Have you checked out DailyDownForce.com yet? If you haven't, I want you to go right now to DailyDownForce.com and get yourself some official Garage Guys merch. If you consider yourself a true loyal Garage Fam member, then you're going to need to show it off to the world. You can buy yourself a Garage Guys rope hat, a Garage Guys trucker hat, an official Garage Guys t-shirt. And if you remember NASCAT from Auto Club, you can show how much you care by supporting NASCAR's Harambe, NASCAT. You can find betting articles each week from Dale Tanhart and NASCAR Titan Greg Mathern. It's got everything you need. DailyDownForce.com. Now back to the podcast. There's something with the race car or something with the parts, you know, I, and this is just me guessing. I just feel like it's obviously it's not trying to cheat and probably didn't give any kind of advantage at all. Probably more of a safety matter. But damn, man, like what a just a ticky tacky disqualification, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's just the way I see it. And I feel bad. I hope somehow, some way, they find a way to to get in victory lane before this year's over. I, I really do. It, you know, it hurt me going through 2017, Dale Jr. not getting one more uh, to to cap his cup career off. So I mean, I, I get it with the Harvick diehards, which I've Harvick's definitely one of my top five favorite drivers of all time. So it hurts me too. Um, but uh, it's just been tough. It's just been tough because they've had chances to win. They've had bad luck. They probably had the best car driver combo at Darlington, Fall Darlington, and uh, Spring Phoenix, and bad luck costed them both of those wins. So. Uh, throwing this in there is just it just makes it even more sour. So hopefully um, they'll find a way to get it, get a dub before it's all over. And I think that's uh, Roval. Kevin Harv 
Harvick uh, finished second here last year, if you could believe that. So they've had some good runs at the Roval, if you could, which is surprising. I was digging around, uh, and I saw that they've had like two top three finishes at the Roval, which is Kevin Harvick road courses has not been the best combo outside of Sonoma in the latter half of his career. So, but I do got to give um, sticking on the on Talladega for a little bit longer. Shout out to Brett Moffat. Doesn't know about his ride situation. Went out there on a one-off deal with front row. Wins Talladega in the truck race. And then, obviously, we talked Blaney. It was a big weekend for good mustaches, right? <laughs> like, like I know Blaney doesn't have one right now, but you will. Ryan Blaney has been a, a great mustache guy over the years when he's been presented the opportunity. So, big weekend for the mustaches. Uh, but Brett Moffat needs a shout-out, and obviously – Ryan Blaney's getting a bunch of them for his win. Mm -hmm. Also, just want to give a gigantic shout-out to Chase Briscoe for actually shaving Cal Naughton Jr. handlebars. I uh, thought that was very, uh, you know, character-esque. Oh, Andy, Andy did the magic man and driver and Joe. That was sick. He did. Uh, and, and Ryan Priest led some laps, you know. Hey, Ryan Priest finished eighth. Yeah. I mean, look, if you ain't first, you're last, right? Like, with, with this car. But I think if he would, if Ryan Priest realistically would have won this race, dude, there would have been so many babies made uh, as soon as it was over. Like that place would have went, that place would have become Bourbon Street during Mardi Gras times a million. I, I really feel like the, it was just a rough. I mean, you've got a guy in Ryan Priest that they, they sold SHR, like marketing plan of the year with these two guys. He, took his own wreck race footage from Daytona and made a meme out of it. So I'm flying through the air. This is not okay. He did that. Like you, like it, it was the perfect guy for it. Oh my God. Yeah. Ryan priest, a, a total dog chase Briscoe of the fucking man. Love those guys. Very proud. Um, just very proud. I just wanted to, to let that be known uh, as well. You're talking about the mustaches. It's, it's always good to see that. Th those were fantastic. So shout out to those two fellers right there for SHR. Um, I guess kind of like moving forward from uh, that race and, and how everything played out now, before we get into odds for the uh, Bank of America Roval 400, uh, I'd like to just briefly bring up uh, the, the 2024 schedule is supposed to be dropping uh, in the next 48 hours, I believe. Uh, I say 48 hours to be safe. You never know. It could be like Drake with his new album for all the dogs. Uh, they could be fucking with us. It could be a Kanye album for all we know. Uh, but th there's a lot of hype about the schedule right now. We know that Iowa was just confirmed. So go into a track that Rusty Wallace himself helped design. Uh, you and I have both been to Iowa for an IndyCar race. It's a great uh, track, a great place for an event. Uh, and just a really clean, nice area too. a lot of great race fans up in Iowa. So we know that one's added. Uh, and, and I think we also know that, uh, that I think Chicago, the street course was confirmed again, uh, may have already known that, but who cares? Uh, also, um, they, there, there's been so much misinformation, but, uh, you know, so don't believe everything you're reading right now until the official thing drops. But one thing that I do like about what we know so far is I kind of like the fact that we're going from Daytona to Atlanta 
because it's OG, right? It's kind of got that old Winston Cup feel to it because that's how it was for a long time. So I think that's neat. Was it? Well, I know it was I'm trying to think. It, we Around the time I grew up, because Atlanta used to be the last race of the year for a long time. First. Yeah. And they would go twice a year, but I don't know. I, I'm excited to see it. That makes me a little nervous, I guess, just having two super speedway races in a row. I kind of hate that. Geographically, kind of makes sense. You're not going too far, and then I guess you go on your West Coast swing. Um, what did I see that was – okay, I saw a rumor that Sonoma was going to replace Fontana for, like, the early season deal. That's going to be wild if – that's the beginning of the West Coast swing from like Sonoma to Phoenix to Vegas, all that shit. Uh, I don't know what to th- how to feel about that. This is gonna. Th- this feels like it's gonna be a big disruption from what we've been used to with yeah. what tracks we're going to early in the season. Apparently, the first playoff race is gonna change. It's not gonna be Darlington anymore because Darlington's gonna be like the cut race. Daytona might be back in July. I don't know. I- I'm just ready to see it and, and put it all together because. I've seen so many different rumors and the apparently Montreal has fallen through. That makes me sad. I think NASCAR is deserved somewhere in Canada, everywhere we've been in Canada. It seems like in my lifetime has put on a fucking show, whether it's been Montreal, whether it's been Bowmanville, these tracks are good racetracks and they have a good fan base that wants to come see our sport. So I kind of hate that if that is true. Um, otherwise the biggest problem on the schedule still is not solved and and will not be solved at least for another year. And that is not having Phoenix as the finale. And that is what I care about more than anything is getting that out of the final race of the season. I guess they're holding NASCAR hostage with millions of dollars, but contracts they'll do have. Yeah. And you, you just have such, you have such a good playoff set of races. I mean, and all the air goes out at Phoenix to me. Like, it's a bad championship race, guys. It is. So until that happens, like, everything else is whatever. The the glit, the glamour of moving around and you get the brickyard back. That is a big deal to me personally. Mm-hmm. Cannot wait to be back there. Um, Huge. Charlotte Roval apparently is going to be gone. You're going to have two Charlotte Oval races. I'm kind of indifferent on that. That's fine. The big problem is, like, our... Other than the Daytona 500, like that's the biggest race of the year, the race that decides a championship. We got to get it out of Phoenix. We've got to get it out of Phoenix in 2025 or 2026. That's what I care about more than anything. And all these little changes are kind (laughs) of, it is fun, right? It's like a silly season thing, but it does distract us from the biggest problem on the schedule, which is Phoenix being the finale. And that's my opinion. But yeah, I'm excited to see it. It's going to be fun. I don't want to see any more rumors, any more gossip. I just want to see it. I want to see the final deal so we know what 2024 will look like entirely. Yeah, for sure. Joe Gibbs actually put a tweet out of a uh, 2024 NASCAR schedule that was. Oh, yeah, like the Rainbow Road and shit. 
Very Radio great. Springs. Looks like we're going to kick off the playoffs with Daytona. Then we're going to Darlington. Then we, you know, Bristol, maybe Bowman Gray, Texas, Radiator Springs, Roval, Las Vegas, Homestead, and Championship Four. But it, it's it's really getting away from the highlighted ones and really digging up into it where you find the funny shit. Yeah, like the Rainbow Road on March seventeenth. Uh, they had, uh, what was it, uh, Montreal F1 doubleheader, June 9th. Um, then two off weekends. I kind of fuck with that. I feel like the drivers should get a solid. I don't trust anything on that Joe Gibbs tweet. It's a joke. It all could be horseshit. It's a fucking joke, dude. <laughs> like the whole thing. Well, you just joke. you just said two off weekends like you yeah, believed it. I was just reading it. I'm reading it out. I'm reading what's on the photo. It's a joke. Like this is not real by any means. I'm just saying it would be cool. I think you believe the drivers got to. Yeah, well, you're fucking shoving Cheerios up your nose, dude. <laughs> fucking, there's no. What does that even mean? It means what I made it mean. I don't know, but yeah, it's a funny photo, and uh, definitely, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. You know, definitely cooking up something over there at Joe Gibbs. Uh, but going forward from there, uh, I guess let's go ahead and look into the Roval odds. So we had C Bell win this one last year. Uh, and it was after what we all feel like should have been a Chase Elliott win. Uh, never forget the sign that uh, that caused the caution. The sign. The sign itself was the single uh, most talked about incident of that entire race. Uh, will there be sign advertisements on the track? Dude, the signs have been a... It, it, it is kind of a joke at this point because the signs have been a problem here multiple years, dude. Mm. Now, last year was the worst because it, I, 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 it did come out. I need to go back and watch the race because I actually don't know if, how, if I remember that off the top of my head, but I do remember a sign bringing out a caution in a pivotal moment. But I, do, I need to go back and watch the 2022 race because I feel like this race, whether it's been Cup or Xfinity, has been littered with sign cautions xfinity for sure xfinity like they love having drivers just pound the shit out of signs it's just great marketing but no there definitely was a sign chase elliott was pretty much in position running away with this race uh they throw the caution for this sign being on the track it was a whole deal and then that's when we had the restart the shake up chris bell wins it so Kind of jumping in, uh, odds have definitely dropped out uh, a lot sooner than I thought they would, and, and a pretty good amount of odds as well. Uh, we've even got qualifying odds already on a Tuesday over on Bet Rivers, which used to be Barstool, which is what I consider to be Barstool, the Canby books. Um, uh, points Bet has some outrights up, uh, but obviously Caesars being uh, you know the, the GOAT, William Hill, shout out to William. Uh, you know, they, they've got it all. They've got the entire catalog. So that's going to be a great place for you to go check out uh, some of these prop bets and group bets and all kinds of others. Just off the top of my head, though, kind of like FanDuel has really been where I've been doing a lot. Uh, they, they definitely seem to have uh, still, they're still kind of a, a decent spot to get good odds on but since the nascar partnership that's really been strangely silent i don't feel like there's been a lot of push from nascar or from fanduel with this partnership uh just wanted to bring that to attention like sometimes you'll see the little prop thing on a sunday with clint boyer's image on there 
but you just don't hear about it a lot. I feel like you hear, you know, I mean, obviously people are going to want to hear about football and, you know, you got MLB postseason going on right now, but I do think there should be more marketing around the fact that NASCAR kind of has a small deal with FanDuel now. Um, but just taking a look over here with FanDuel on the jump, a part of me really wants to just bet Chase Elliott here. He is the favorite. It's six to one. If we do get a race, which we're not now because we have fucking stage cautions. So, but, but if, if this race would have been the way it was supposed to be before it just, you know, miraculously changed on a whim, uh, without any warning or, or, or anything at all in, a, in, a, in an agreement early in the season. Uh, this could have been Chase Elliott's race. And I think a question some people are wondering maybe is, you know, th this change happened basically once we got the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. Once the playoffs started, like it was like right at the week before, like right after the cutoff race. It was we, right after Indy. Okay, so right after Indy. Um, I think at that point, you know, you have to wonder, um, I guess at that point, then no, it doesn't really matter. I've been seeing some stuff about how Chase Elliott, like, like because he didn't make the playoffs, obviously it's rumors, but they, they were saying Chase Elliott didn't, it, it, because he didn't make the playoffs, they, they made this rule now and this and that. Da, da, da. So That's it's, dumb as fuck. Exactly. Yeah. It's the normal, it's the normal Twitter stuff. Just throwing it out there. I've been seeing a, a few tweets about that, but with this being the way that it's been, the Roval being that one road course race where just shit hits the fan, it really is anybody's game. If there is uh, one piece of advice that I'm going to just straight up say, it's, you know, um, look out for qualifying. And once you get that and once you figure out where everything's set, definitely go harder. Uh, but off the top of the bat, like, Chase Elliott at six to one. I don't mind that as much. Uh, you're going to be able to probably, that's going to be his best line for now. Uh, everybody else is going to juice him down. Um, and Tyler Reddick's already been getting squeezed. Uh, he's at like uh, plus 650 on Caesars. Uh, you can get him at plus 700 on DraftKings. Uh, and then plus 700 on FanDuel as well. So that's going to be your best spots to get him. I don't know if I'm if I'm as heavy about Reddick as I maybe would be about a Chase or hell maybe. I mean at this point even somebody like a a Kyle Larson at nine to one. I don't mind that as much either. Uh, but Denny Hamlin is another one of those guys that stick out to me. He is 18 to one on FanDuel right now, and you may be able to help me out a little bit more as far as remembering the finishes without me looking them up right now, but it almost seems like it's maybe kind of time for Denny Hamlin to, to cross a road course style race off his list. And this might be the weekend for it. We know that a Joe Gibbs car won last year. They carried some decent speed into these races. Denny's not the best road course racer, but he has been a little bit better this year with the confidence that he has going into this weekend, the possibility of a caution coming out uh, at any time. I think at 18 to one, it would be a mistake to, to look over this guy. That's on DraftKings and FanDuel. So I'm, I'm, I think that's going to probably be my first bet that I log. It's going to be a Denny Hamlin at 18 to one. I don't know. I, yeah, I guess he hasn't won. He almost won 
Andy Rode, its first year. That's the the famous Chase Briscoe deal. He almost won one of the Daytona Road Course races. I think he got passed by Chase Elliott, or he was running down Chase Elliott. He has won at Watkins Glen before. Hasn't won at Sonoma. Been close. Choked uh, against Tony Stewart 2016. But what, what I'm more focused on with Denny Hamlin, which I'm glad you brought him up, qualifying. Denny Hamlin on the road courses and Toyota on the road courses. I think they've gotten every pole this year on the road courses, except for William Byron at Watkins Glen. I think I want to double Didn't check on that. Coda? I thought I thought I thought he got Coda. William Byron. Oh, he that's he did he did because Tyler Reddick qualified second. Regardless, though, it doesn't take away from the point that Toyota has been really good at qualifying on the road courses in 2023. So I think that's worth considering when you look at Denny Hamlin at 10 to 1. He got the pole at Sonoma. He got the pole at the Chicago Street Course Race. Two very different tracks, two different, very different courses that require left, lefts and rights. So I think that could be worth a bet when you look at Bet Rivers and see that they already have qualifying up. Um, when it comes to Robo that also history. makes it a great investment, though, too, because if you bet on FanDuel sometimes, just, just to quickly say this, sometimes when you bet on FanDuel and if you bet on a guy that has some pretty long odds and they qualify very well, it, maybe you don't think Denny will win this race. But if you go ahead and get that in, um, you might see FanDuel offering you a cash-out option for more than you paid. And that could be a great investment tool just to make a little bit of extra bank as well. I've had that happen with me with Ryan Blaney at a race before. And uh, just wanted to, to tip you all off on that. Maybe it's not like that anymore. But earlier in the year, I had that situation. And I thought that was really neat because it can be used as an investment tool in a way. So pretty- yeah, that, that, that definitely is a good tip. That could be very beneficial um, if you if, if it does work out that way. But I think you got to look at that when it comes to Denny Hamlin and some of these Toyota guys. Now, Tyler Reddick, he's had some races here. He led laps here last year. Uh, I think he fin- he ended up finishing up at the top 10. But now the stage is being re-implemented instead of actually fixing the main problem at hand, which I talked about on Only Dales on YouTube. We bring the stages back and we bring the chaos back, which has made this race kind of a, a shit show. Um, other than Hendrick Motorsports having superior race cars from 2019 to 2021, 20, not to take away from Chase Elliott or Kyle Larson, but um, their road course package in that period of time was monumentally better than everybody else's. And Chase Elliott gobbled up a lot of road course wins during that time. Kyle Larson did in 2021 during his championship year. Other than those which is it does account for three of the five Roval races. And even some of those were full of chaos. Xfinity Series races, full of chaos, even though they've been dominated by A.J. Allmendinger, who is not in the field for the first time in five years of the Roval's history. So Xfinity is going to be interesting whenever odds drop there. But we talk about Cup. Christopher Bell, I, I remember, if I remember correctly, won this race last year because of a great strategy call where they came in one of these later race cautions they took tires and they carved their way through the field i think that is how seabell got this win in a in a big crunch time moment um that makes me not 
super high on Christopher Bell, even though he's right there with Denny Hamlin, around 18 to 1 on most of these books. I think the one guy I want to go to, and this is partially, it's part of the reason why I wanted to bet him at Talladega, other than he's a good super speedway racer. But I want to bet on William Byron again. I think there's nobody more dangerous than William Byron right now because of locked into the next round. He's been arguably the best guy in the Cup Series this year. Another, he finished third at Talladega. I mean, just ripping off good run after good run after good run, no matter what his position is, right? Like, no matter where he's at, he's been one of the best guys this year. He won at Texas a few weeks ago. I think William Byron is extremely dangerous right now. And one big point here with the addition, the re addition of stages, you know, William Byron and that team are only going to put them in, put themselves in a spot to win the race, right? Like it's going to go back to where before the stage breaks, everybody's going to pit or it's going to be like a mixed bag, right? Some guys are going to pit because they're, they want to focus on strategy late in the race. And you're going to have a lot of these guys in the championship running who are going to stay out and get those stage points to try to get as many points as possible to make sure they don't get eliminated in this cutoff race. So that's a very compelling factor here that William Byron doesn't have to worry about. So let's just say they qualify up front. They lead laps. They're pitting right at the begin- right at the end of stage one. They don't give a shit about stage points. They're only there to win because they don't have to worry about anything else. So I think that makes William Byron seven to one a good bet. He went out to Watkins Glen, the last road course, and just absolutely spanked the field. The road course package will really be over for most of this year has been pretty good. You mentioned Coda. He had a great run at Coda, led a lot of laps, was probably Tyler Reddick's biggest competitor in that race. And then you come to Watkins Glen a few months later and just fucking destroy the field. So I think if there's one guy I'm looking at, uh, I know he's one of the, he's a co-favorite essentially, but I love William Byron. He's so dangerous right now because of the circumstances. So seven to one, I think is worth it for Willie B heading into this weekend. I don't mind that one at all. <clears throat> the way I see it too, is that he, He's uh he he's coming for Charlotte, right? I mean he's a Charlotte boy. It's a home track for him. Uh, he was running really well at the six hundred earlier in the year. It's not a road course, but it's the same track essentially. Uh, so that could be a good narrative line on that one. So don't mind that one at all. I did just find another long shot that I like, especially knowing that stage cautions are back, reracks are a big possibility. And that this guy is on the hot seat. If he doesn't get a win, he's out. Um, looking at the playoff bubble right now, you have Tyler Reddick, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Kyle Bush. All four of these guys are on the bubble. I just took Ross Chastain 30 to 1 on Bet Rivers. I like that. If there is one guy that is going to fight, especially after him saying he couldn't wait to run better than Ricky Bobby and Cal Naughton and the rest of the field at Talladega and then was the first one to fuck up and wreck. Uh, It's Ross Chastain. I could easily see him sneaking away with a win at this track. You and I have talked about it. He's The last win that he's had was at Nashville. 
It's been a long time. The drought's been real. Uh, this could be the moment where we see him re-enter the chat and get back into the conversation for the NASCAR playoffs. Could be, I mean, better late than never. Track house has been kind of shitty. Let's be real. But if there's one track to turn it around, one guy that's already won on a road course before, it's this guy. It's Ross. 30 to 1 on Bet Rivers. I love the fuck out of that line. Grab that while you can. Yeah, I'm not obsessed with it, but I like it because of everything you said. If there's anybody that's proven they can find a way, it's Ross Chastain. And um, overall, I do think lack of speed is going to be their Achilles heel, Achilles heel. But I think it is worth a shot considering what the Roval is going to be. What we know the Roval has been, you get the stages back, so you get your calamity, you get your potential for guys like Chastain to narrow the gap, narrow the gap on speed through strategy and chaos. So um, that's kind of what Christopher Bell did last year here. He didn't have the best car, and they won because they made an excellent strategy call late in that race. And that's something that could happen with Ross here too. They're going to gamble. They're going to be as aggressive as, as possible to fight their way into the next round, and they're definitely on the on the far outside looking in. So I like that too. Another guy, people aren't going to expect it. Um, but man, I got I got to think about Kevin Harvick. I got to think about Kevin Harvick. It it's it's he's not a road course guy. I know. Outside of Sonoma, road courses have been a struggle for Kevin Harvick in the latter half of his career in particular. But when you look at what he's done at the Roval, even throughout all the chaos and, and all the craziness with stages and sign cautions or whatever you want to call it, Kevin Harvick's results at the Roval have arguably been, well, nah, Sonoma's been better, but I, I'd say definitely second best in his road course uh, profile over the past five years. Um He's had several top tens, and I want to pull this up real quick just to verify everything. Going to here, Mr. Kevin Harvick, coming off of what should have been a second-place finish at Talladega. We come to the Roval, where he finished second last year. 2021, he crashed. That was the infamous, he wrecked Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott was chasing him down. He crashed it into the wall in turn one. But other than that, his other three finishes, 11th, 3rd, and ninth to go with that P2 last year. So he's got two top threes, three top tens and five starts. He's going to be around 30 to one. I'm going to bet that he's not going to qualify well. So maybe you can wait and maybe you get 40 to one, maybe you get 50 to one when there might be somebody that blows everybody away in practice and qualifying. Hint, the Toyota's probably going to qualify up front again. Keep an eye on Kevin Harvick this week. Maybe you get a good line on top Ford, right? At nine to one, 10 to one. Historically, he runs towards the front at the Roval. I, I don't know how it happens, but it does. It just does. And, you know, I'm not saying put the retirement fund on it, but along with Ross Chastain, we talk about some of these guys that are longer shot plays. Kevin Harvick's kind of got the statistics to back up or to to validate a bet on him this weekend. So I don't hate that. Um, and I'm looking at Barcelona. I just have to shout this out, dude. I don't know if you've checked Barcelona Sportsbook. 
Todd Gilland is plus 850 to win the race. He is a co-favorite on Barstool Sportsbook. Cody Ware, who has not raced in forever, is 18 to 1 to win the Roval. Ty Dillon is also 18 to 1 to win the Roval. This is just crazy. What is going on? Yeah. I know somebody has had to have seen this. Barstool Sportsbook is broke, broke right now with, with these lines. That's why I haven't used that sports book in since they made the announcement that they're moving to ESPN. I've literally just forgotten it existed. Um, I've been using made like the major book I've been using is FanDuel, but I've been using DraftKings again. Um, been using Caesars. Bet Rivers has kind of become low key one of my favorite books, basically because it replaced Barstool for me. And points bet hasn't been so bad either. I've I've been dabbling a little bit. If you can get on there pretty early in the week, you can catch some inconsistencies. Um, I did want to back up and say what you were talking about with Kevin Harvick. He's plus 120 for a top 10. So based on your rhetoric, I don't mind moving in that direction for a little bit more of a safer line. You can load up a little bit more on that, and you should probably be able to easily chop that off. Um, you know, and, and some of these other guys like a uh, – you know, you said you said you got Todd Gillen on the bars. He's plus eight hundred for a top ten on DraftKings, and he's plus eight hundred to win on Barstool. That's yeah, crazy. that's incredible. It's, it's obviously a mistake. It's just hilarious, and I had to shout it out. Yeah, they are the JGR schedule makers of sports books. But I gotta say too, which I'm gonna check Caesars here. Um, for some, this is kind of a field play idea, and it's the same on Caesars. You can get it on Caesars or Barstool right now. Justin Haley, 40 to 1 top Chevy. I, I I don't know what it is. I just kind of like that. You know, I I watched a Dale Jr. download episode tonight with my dad with uh Hank Parker. A very good episode. So good. But I noticed the most recent episode, the most recent Dale Jr. download is with Justin Haley. And sometimes good things happen to drivers after they go on the Dale Jr. download. Justin Haley finished sixth at Talladega. It's pretty good. But he almost won the Chicago street course race. And if it wasn't for Shane Van Gisbergen, just Haley would have won that race um, and has had some sneaky success on road has had some sneaky success on races that were filled with chaos. Uh, got that colleague, AJ Allmendinger help, you know, that mentor. I don't know, man, something about it. This has been a chaotic race it's from the, the beginning in 2018 to now, Justin Haley top Chevy forty to one. Just for some reason, it just kind of sticks out to me as a potential good bet. And then I'll I'll say one more here, and then um I'm tapped out for what I'd like. We talk about the playoff picture. Um, Brad K is kind of a meme on the road courses, but but he has had a couple good runs here, like Kevin Harvick. He's had a few good runs at the Roval. He's had a top five, if you could believe it. This race is full of chaos, as I keep reiterating. Give me a Brad K top four, 16 to one. With the playoffs on the line, Brad K is right there. Never know what might happen here. Never freaking know what might happen at this particular race. Um, maybe Brad K could be in the cards for something, for something interesting on Sunday. So Brad K sitting here at 16 to one top four. Might be worth something. Maybe I'm insane, but just don't hammer it. Just think about it. Just think about it.
Yeah, I'm I'm not on those. Uh, but I will say I don't mind a Justin Haley plus two fifty for a top ten. I don't mind that at all because of what we saw on the road course and because, like you said, because of what we see uh, with the chaos. And because of the chaos, my last one that I'm giving out on this show that I'm going to go ahead and log, race to go to overtime on Caesar Sportsbook, plus 300 for yes. Give me that all fucking day. I'm going to put a unit on that. I'm putting a unit on the race to go to overtime, three to one. That's my final call for this show I can't log that one on Action Network, but you heard it here. The the podcast exclusive plus 300 for the race to go to overtime. I feel like this race has went to overtime since its inception, if I'm not mistaken. So, plus 300, catch William, uh, William Hill while he's sleeping. And that's, that's all I got for that. But this has been good. Uh, I'm excited about the weekend. I'm ready to get back into winning form. Uh, been been doing a lot of baseball bets. Had a good first MLB postseason day. You can check those bets out on Action Network as well. Make sure you're following Dale and me both on the Action Network. That's where you're going to see the majority of the NASCAR Cup bets. If you're not in the Discord, you're missing out on Nasfinity and Nash Trucks. Dale is throwing those bets in there every weekend. So if you need a link to the Discord, just holler at somebody that listens to this podcast or holler at us. Follow us online at Garage Guy Chase at Dale Tanhart everywhere. Uh, collectively, you can find us at Garage Guys FS on the X app, or you can find us at Garage Guys Racing everywhere else. There's all kinds of ways to uh, to reach out for that Discord link. You can Google it. It's a it, when 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 I search anything Garage Guys, the first thing I see is Discord. So you can Google this shit. It's out there. That's where you're going to be able to check out all these bets that we have for NASCAR on the weekly. And then just make sure that you're following us to stay up to date on what's going on in the world of Garage Guys. There's always a ton of movement and a ton of things. Uh, A new episode of the Garage Guys Report will be dropping uh, tomorrow night. If you're listening to this, uh, well, not tomorrow night, on Wednesday night. I'm just going to say that. You're probably listening to this. It's Wednesday morning, very early in the morning. Uh, or whenever, but Wednesday night, playback.tv slash garage guys, you will be able to catch the exclusive airing. We're going to run that one. We've been doing it at 11 p.m. Eastern time. I'm going to keep it that way for the late night crowd, and then it'll just roll over to YouTube the next day, and you can watch it on demand whenever you want. So just putting that out there for everyone, uh, and, and yeah, let's let's win some fucking money. All right, we still got some more races to get this done. It's a big race this weekend. It's another cutoff race before we start our next series of three races before Phoenix. Uh, it, it's only going to get better from here. Who are we going to crown? That's what we're trying to figure out now, and we'll uh, we'll get there very very soon in the blink of an eye before we know it. But we appreciate you listening. Thanks for your time. Thanks for being a NASCAR fan. Thanks for being a Garage Guys fan. And let's go get the bag and enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you. Ta-ta.